Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. Hey, we're glad that you're here. Really big deal today and an issue that uh, you've probably heard about, seen some about, wanted to be able to comment on. When I was in Bible college, I heard my pastor talk about Dr. John MacArthur and talk about the blood and how he didn't believe in the blood and how that uh, the blood of Christ had to be shed and applied and how John MacArthur believed just in the death. I didn't look into it back then, didn't know anything about it, heard him preach it. Then 15 years ago or so, an assistant pastor of mine had left to go start a church, didn't uh, get it off the ground, came back to work for me again, found out that he had been reading John MacArthur, and he disagreed with what we were taught. And he said, John MacArthur doesn't believe that, and I got a letter from him, and here's what he said. And I read through the letter, and it's like, no, <laughs> even in his own letter, he said the same thing that uh, we had heard he said, that it, he didn't, it said it wasn't the blood. Well, recently, he was asked a question about the blood back from that day, and here is how he answered it, and uh, I don't want to talk about it. So here it is. In your Hebrew commentary, you state that we are redeemed, quote, not by his bleeding, but by his dying. Do you still stand by that, and why? Yeah, wouldn't, we're not saved by his bleeding because it uh, wouldn't have done any good if he just bled. This was a big controversy years ago. People, uh, some people who were enemies of me decided to fabricate all kinds of strange things, and we got kicked off 55 radio stations, and all because they said I denied the blood of Christ. Uh, well, look, if Jesus had just bled, nobody would be saved. Um, the wages of sin is not bleeding. The wages of sin is death. And uh, people must understand that it's not the bleeding of Jesus and it's not the blood of Jesus. To speak of the blood of the cross, the blood of the cross, is to simply speak of the efficacious, substitutionary, sacrificial death of Christ. Do I think he had to... To, to actually 
die, uh, actually bleed, now, not to save us, but to fulfill the Old Testament picture. Somebody suggested that I might have thought he could be bludgeoned to death. Well, I suppose if God had decided that's the way he would die, it would be fine. But the pattern and the picture of the shedding of blood was in the whole Old Testament sacrificial system. And as the fulfillment and the final lamb, he fit that model and that pattern. But we are not saved by his blood. There's a, there's a weird theology that floats around that people have to turn the blood into a fetish, and they actually believe that, and, and I've dealt, tried to deal with this, with some people who accuse me of denying the blood, that somehow God collected all the actual blood of Jesus, collected it all, around the foot of the cross, put it in a bowl and took it to heaven, and it's up in heaven sitting on a mercy seat, and every time somebody's saved, it's dumped out and recollected and then dumped out again and recollected. Of course, this is wacky kind of theology. Um, there's nothing magic in Jesus' blood. I mean, just, I mean, try to think that through, right? There's nothing magic in his blood or his saliva or any other part of the fluids of the human body. I don't need to get too graphic here. I mean, what, what we're talking about is his death. And blood is a euphemistic way to refer to his death, particularly when you realize the, the bloodshed that occurred there. So I'm, I'm not saying anything different than Orthodox Christianity has said for its entire history. We're not saved by his bleeding or by his blood as a fluid, but by his death. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you get that? It is amazing. It is exactly what the heresy was years ago and what he put in his Hebrew commentary, and he's not backing away from that. I appreciate his stand during COVID, but this is wrong and heretical. Jesus didn't collect his blood every time someone gets saved and put it on the mercy seat. I've never heard that from anyone, and I've believed this about the blood. Uh, he did it once for all to cover our sin, okay? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No one said that Jesus could just bleed and not die. Nobody said that. The wages of sin is death. Of course that. We know that quoted all the time. Um, but for him to say it's not the blood of Jesus is wrong. He said the blood of the cross is just the efficacy of the substitutionary death of the cross. Uh, no, it's not just that. Um, do I think he ha actually had to bleed? He said not to actually save us, but to fulfill the Old Testament picture. No, we are saved by the blood. He said we're not saved by the blood. He also said there's this weird belief that we have turned the blood into a fetish. Somehow God collected the blood of Jesus, put it into a mercy seat, um, and sprinkled on the mercy seat. He called it a wacky kind of theology. There's nothing magic in Jesus' blood. Uh, he said, I'm not saying anything different than Orthodox Christianity has said. We're not saved by his bleeding or his blood as a fluid, but by his death, okay? I want to deal with that according to the Bible. Hopefully you know better than that. And it's amazing to me how someone who can be so scholarly uh, to write his own copy of the Bible, to be so scholarly, uh, yet to miss this. Matthew 26, 28, for this is the blood 
of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Uh, it's shed for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, the Bible says. Acts 20, 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. If it's just his death, then why wouldn't he say that? Romans 3, 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteous for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Uh, propitiation is the atonement or the atoning sacrifice to at one, to make at one with us and God. The blood of Christ has to do that. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we are saved from wrath through him. Over and over and over in the Bible, we're saved, justified by his blood. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Why would you try to take that away and say it's just death? Why would you try to say that? Uh, it's not the blood. It is the blood. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.14, In whom we have forgiveness, excuse me, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, over and over and over and over, it is the blood it's called a bloody religion. From the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm sorry, from the uh, Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane, it is a bloody religion. That blood had to be shed. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of the cross, his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's by the blood. First Peter 1.18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You're not redeemed with corruptible. We're redeemed with incorruptible, what? <laughs> but with the precious blood of Christ. That's what it is. And that's how it's called. It's the precious blood of Jesus. Why would anyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ want to um, minimize or make a light of the blood of Christ when it's so, so, so fulfilled out there? As a youth pastor in California, right out of college, I heard my pastor say, you'll learn more by accident in a soul-winning church and you will on purpose in a deeper life church. I heard that over and over. Well, I believed him. He's my pastor. It's amazing to go and see it. I heard one sermon in Bible college about the blood. One sermon. Just heard a sermon. I didn't do a Bible study on it. I don't remember in college them going through all this. I heard one sermon. But I'm out in California. I'm a youth pastor. And I said something to the teenagers about Jesus and his blood and sprinkled on the mercy seat. And that kid went home to his dad. His dad went to John MacArthur Seminary. His dad called me and said I was wrong. And he said, where in the Bible does it say um, that Jesus and, uh, took his blood and sprinkled on the mercy seat? And I said, well, and I'm talking on the phone with him and I'm thumbing through the Bible. I knew it's in Hebrew. Didn't know exactly where, okay? I mean, I'm 24, just out of Bible college and didn't grow up with all this. So I'm looking and I found Hebrews 9 and I read this to him. I'll read it to you in a minute. I want to tell you the whole story. 
I read it to him when I'm getting ready to read you. And he goes, oh, well, let me study on it. I'll get back with you. He called a professor at Shepherd's College, okay, at John MacArthur's College. Called a professor there. said, well, that word actually means, and I don't even remember what he said. He called me back and said, well, that word doesn't mean that. It means uh, this uh, in the original. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's substitute your word for what the Bible says. And it didn't even fit. I mean, it didn't even fit. Well, if it means that, then let's take out that word and put in your word and let's see what happens. And it didn't make sense at all. Let me get back to you. Guess what? He never got back with me. Here's a true statement. You'll learn more by accident. You know, so many churches do well on purpose in a deeper life church. John MacArthur would be considered a deeper life church. Exegesis, verse by verse, through the Bible, expository preaching. And guess what? He blew it. How in the world can you say what he just said and what the Shepherd's College uh, uh, professor said when you can look at the Bible? Okay. Hebrews, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go read it, but uh, it's powerful. Hebrews 9 verse 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of his, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much, excuse me, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I've never heard anybody say that the blood gets poured out and sprinkled in, poured out and collected and sprinkled every time someone gets saved, okay? Never heard that once. He's just trying to mock what we believe. But here he did, he said, by his own blood, he entered once in the holy place. You understand the priesthood would have to take that lamb, spotless, okay? Uh, watch it, male lamb, kill the lamb. Take the blood of the lamb. The high priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies after the cleansing and the labor and everything is right. He would have bells um, on his sash because if, uh, if, the, if the sacrifice wasn't accepted, he would die. They'd have to drag him out. If the bell stopped ringing, they had a rope tied to his foot. They would drag him out. All of this, the high priest would enter once a year on the Day of Atonement to be able to do that. Jesus said that couldn't take it away. But by his own blood, he entered once into the Holy of Holies. Remember? Um, um, when Jesus rose from the dead, okay, and he met Mary Magdalene, and she said what? Touch me not, for I have not yet. John 20, verse 7, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. The high priest could not be touched after he cleansed himself from the labor before he took the blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. Okay, we know right after that he came back that evening, and they put his um, they put their finger in his hand, okay, and touched him. So he had gone to the Father. He sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat um, there, and to be able to do that. Okay, so we're back in Hebrews nine. And skip down to verse nineteen. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. There it is. For it was necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. 
Oh, he didn't go into the temple or the tabernacle here. No, that's just a figure of what's in heaven. There is in heaven a temple of God and the holy of holies and the sacrifice that Jesus took his blood into that one made without hands. How clear is that? Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered in the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? What an amazing thing. One more place in Hebrews, and then we're going to show you where this comes from. Hebrews 10, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. What did he do? (laughs) He died three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, rose again, proving he was who he said he was God in the flesh. He took his blood. He was the high priest, could not be touched until he went to the Father and took his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat to cover our sin once for all. Wow. That's what he did. Incredible. Amazing. Beautiful. Bible. Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10. Go read it. Now, where did this come from? from the Passover of Exodus chapter 12, okay? Uh, Exodus 12, verse three, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the 10th day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of his fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house will be too little for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. For your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it under the 14th day of the same month. And a whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the side post and the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Huh. I wonder what that's a picture of. <laughs> on the two sides and the top of the door. Wow. Making the cross. Back then in Exodus, was it enough for the lamb to die? No. Was it enough for the lamb to shed his blood? No. That blood had to be taken and sprinkled on the sides and top of the door. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, the head with the legs, with the Puritans thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remain until the morning shall burn with fire. Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and a staff in your hand. Ye shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite the firstborn of the land, both male and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not uh, be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Wow. That amazing? When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Was it enough for it to die? Was it enough for the blood to be shed? No, the blood had to be applied. And they followed every step of it, but they didn't take that blood and put it on the two sides and top of the door. What would have happened? Their child would have died, okay? Their child would have died. That's the picture of what we have. Going back to Hebrews chapter 2, and then 3 and 4, let me read a few. Uh, Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 2 verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to make like like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest 
and things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He is our high priest. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Okay? He's the apostle and high priest of our profession. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Uh, verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but it was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He is our high priest. Chapter 5, verse 1, for every high priest taken among men is ordained for men and all things pertaining to God that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The last one, Hebrews 5, 5, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he said unto himself, thou art my son today have I begotten thee. He was and is our high priest. And that blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat to cover our sin once for all. Yes, Jesus had to die. And yes, you can find verses in the Bible, Romans 5, 10, Romans 6, 4, 1 Corinthians 11, 26. We're talking about his death. Of course, we don't deny that at all. The death, burial, and resurrection. Absolutely, he had to die. He couldn't just bleed. He had to die. But he also had to die by shedding his blood. And that blood had to be applied or we would not be saved. They go into, there's, well, they said it is finished, to telestai, like in Greek, it makes it better. Uh, it is finished. What is finished? His suffering on the cross is finished, but everything is not done. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, would we be saved? If Jesus just died and was buried, that's it. Would we go to heaven? No, he had to rise from the, he had to defeat death and hell in the grave, okay? He had to defeat those and his blood had to be put on the mercy seat in heaven. So when Jesus sees, God sees us, he doesn't see us, he sees the blood that's covered our sin. So how can someone so smart miss all this in the Bible? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, okay? The Bible is true, man is not. The Bible is clear, and man needs to understand the word of God, that's where we get our truth. Yes, Jesus died, but he had to shed his blood and it had to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Go listen to that quote again by John MacArthur and go, you know what? Boy, he blew it. He missed it. And yes, he did. Okay. God bless you. And hope that's a help to use it, pass it on, share it with people, and make sure we know the truth that Jesus died, buried, and rose again, shedding his blood, sprinkling it on the mercy seat in heaven. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.